music team, and thanks to the folks in the back in the booth, unseen, unsung, but uh, absolutely just as necessary. We are working our way through Matthew's gospel, so there are four accounts of the life of Jesus, four Uh, different people wrote about the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew is the first, and so we have been studying his gospel account. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. And as you're turning there, just a couple of announcements uh, to make. Uh, First, for youth parents, 7th through 12th graders, um, it's a few months away in January, uh, but our winter retreat uh, is coming up in January, and we need to know already, kind of get an idea how many people are coming to that uh, so that we can begin making transportation plans. And so there is a sign-up sheet on the table in the gathering area uh, if you want to sign up your uh, student there. Um, and that just helps us to know, that helps us in planning. If you have any questions about that, you can uh, see Zach, who was up here earlier. Also, uh, we need one more volunteer uh, to help at Butterfly Bridge on September the 21st, and that is with um, child care. They're doing a foster parent um, support group. Help me with the name of that, Rebecca. What is Butterfly, the foster parent support? There we go, foster parent support group. I got it right. Not right. It's the first time today. Um, and uh, what they need help with is child care. So a couple of our ladies are already uh, providing food for that night, and a couple uh, of you have already volunteered for that. We would like one more. So if you are able to help that night, uh, you can come from 5.30 to about 7.15. Uh, come and see Rebecca and let her know after the service. So uh, those are all of the announcements that I have. Uh, let's take a look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 20. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, we encourage you to grab one of those Bibles that's in the chair. Uh, you should find today's passage on page 812. Let me, um, let me read it for us. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear good fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear bad fruit. Excuse me, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And thus you will recognize them by their fruits. This is the word of the Lord. And while the grass withers and the flowers fade, the word of our God stands forever. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray that as we've heard your word read, so now you would uh, not just bless the hearing of your word, but also the preaching of your word. Lord, that you would show us how to follow you. 
And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's time to choose. That's what Jesus is saying. Matthew chapters 5 through 7 is commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, And I said this last week that really what Matthew chapters 5 through 7 is, is a manual on discipleship. It's it's a manual telling people uh, what it looks like to follow Jesus. And last week I gave you this definition of the word disciple uh, from Dallas Willard. Uh, And so I want to give it to you again. Willard says, a disciple is someone who by grace... And by choice is learning how to live from Jesus. A disciple is someone who by grace, that means that you don't earn your spot on the team. That means you can't earn your spot on the team. That if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, the initiative is his. You you can't get on the path. He calls you onto it. The very first thing that Jesus says in this sermon, in Matthew 5, 3, is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we looked at that verse several weeks ago, way back in the spring. But what that means is, right, the the poor in spirit are those who have nothing to offer spiritually. They they don't come to the gate saying like, hey, look, I'd be a pretty good pick. Right. It's not like uh, it's not like when, you know, you were in grade school uh, and everybody was picking for uh, kickball. Right. Some of you were picked first because you had clear athletic ability. I was picked last because I had none. Right. Um, That's not how we enter the kingdom. We enter the kingdom by by coming to Jesus and showing that we have nothing to offer. So a disciple is someone who by grace and by choice. That means there is effort involved. It means you do have to make a choice. I want you to hold your finger in this passage, uh, and I want you to turn over to John chapter 6 with me. We don't do this very often, but keep your hand there because we're going to turn back. But I want you to go to John chapter 6, verse 67. This is one of my favorite lines in the Bible. John six sixty seven, Jesus has been saying some very hard things. In fact, he's just finished saying some very hard things, things that are hard to understand and things that are hard to accept. And up to this point, Jesus has been very popular. But now people begin to walk away. They begin to no longer follow Jesus. And so, in verse 67, Jesus turns to the twelve and he says, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? That's the choice of a disciple. To whom shall we go? You... Have the words of eternal life. And we have believed. And have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The disciple says. When when presented with the option. Where else would I go? 
you have the words of eternal life. So a disciple is someone who by grace and by choice is learning how to live from Jesus. That's what Jesus is teaching in these chapters of Matthew's gospel, how to live, uh, how to pattern your life after him, how to listen to him, how to look at your life and look at his and say, Lord, change me, make me more like you. And that's where we are now in Jesus's sermon. It's time to choose. It's decision time. Uh, From here, uh, from verse 13 down to verse 27, Jesus gives us four choices to make. We're going to look at two of those today and then two more next week. And I want to frame the, the two choices today as two questions. One, what road are you on? And two, who are you listening to? And I just realized I probably didn't update Sorry about that. You're just going to have to trust me. All right? It's not going to be on the screen, so you're going to have to listen very closely. All right? One, what road are you on? And two, who are you listening to? See, when I forget to put it in the presentation, we just make it very simple by making it a two-point sermon. (laughs) All right? First, what road are you on? Jesus tells us there are two roads, two paths to follow. He describes the broad way. Look at verse 13. He says, the gate is wide and the way is easy. Now, that's how it's translated in the ESV. The word for easy there means spacious, spread out. The gate is wide and the way is spacious. So immediately what I think of when I think of this is the gate to Disney World. This is not a moral commentary on Disney. I'll let you make your own decision there. But there there can be no doubt when you draw near to Disney World where that gate is going. Okay? It is big. It is broad. It is well lit. There are happy, smiley characters all over it, right? And the road leading through it, there are multiple lanes, right? There is, it should not take you too long to get into Disney World, right? So the the gate is wide and the way is spacious. Not only that, uh, Jesus says that it's also very popular, this road. There are many people on it. But its destination is the problem. He says that this is the road that leads to destruction. Contrast that with how he describes the alternative. He says, how narrow is the gate and how hard the way that leads to life. Now, again, the word hard here, Jesus is not describing uh, its difficulty Okay, the word for hard here means compressed or constricted. So it can mean to be afflicted. That's where that translation of hard comes from. But what Jesus is comparing or what he's contrasting is how the eight lane freeway that leads to destruction and is very obvious. And the narrow country road that leads to life that is very easy to miss. Uh, a number of years ago, we had a, a family in our church 
who lived off of Highway 82. Uh, on the, so on the other side of Maplesville, they lived in Randolph uh, as you headed up north towards Tuscaloosa. Um, and if you've ever been on Highway 82, right, you can move along Highway 82 at a pretty good clip. I think the posted speed limit is 55, at least at that part. Um, but their home was uh, through a gate and a dirt road. And so if you were intending to go there, you had to be looking for it. You had to know where you were turning, because if you didn't know, you would never have seen it. All right, that's one of the interesting things. Uh, you know, many moons ago, I was a, a runner, uh, and so we would run along the streets of Plant, and I would run down some of the same streets that I had driven down. But you see a whole lot more when you're going really slow, and that's how fast I run, really slow, <laughs> right? Um, so that's what Jesus is saying. He says the way that leads to destruction is obvious, and it's very popular, right? The way that leads to life, not so. You have to be looking for it. You have to try to find it. You have to be searching for it. It's a, it's a narrow gate that leads down a small country road. So you can't evaluate the destination by what you see. You can't evaluate what's at the other end by the way that the roads look. In fact, if you were looking at the, the road that leads to destruction, you would say, well, this has got to be the right road. Right? Because there's lots of people on it. How many of you have ever been to uh, a, an amusement park or a sporting event? Uh, and right when you're, you're walking up to the gate and there's a, there's a huge crowd and a long line at that gate. What is the natural assumption that you make? This is the way to go. This is the gate by which we have to enter Disney World, Six Flags, wherever. Right? And what you often don't realize is that there are other gates that are open. But everybody has followed the crowd and lined up at this one. And if you're not looking for it, you will assume this is, this is the gate. Right? You actually have to have your eyes open and notice like, oh, there's like four other gates open over there and nobody's in line. I'm going to go through that gate. Right? So Jesus is telling us, look, you can't evaluate the right path based on how broad it is. Or how many people are on it? What does Jesus want us to do? He wants us to choose the path to life. This is the first choice he calls us to, and it's not an obvious choice. The way to destruction is the obvious path. It's broad, it's spacious, it's well-worn by lots of feet. The road to life, on the other hand, is marked by a narrow gate and a constricted path. You can't judge its popularity because there you can't judge it by its popularity because there are fewer people on it. But if you want to live, it's the path you have to follow. It's the one you need to enter. Kids. That means at some point in your life you will have to choose to go against the flow. That following Jesus means going down a road that other people are unwilling to go on. And that is an incredibly difficult choice. There is comfort and safety in numbers. We draw great comfort from that. It's a hard road to walk, and many of our friends will not walk, us, walk it with us. But it is a good road. It is a road that leads to life. 
And we should also say, right, that we, we don't like to be forced to choose, do we? We don't like just having two options. Well, I'm actually paralyzed by decision-making, so two options are really good for me. But, right, uh, if we have to choose, right, we, what we prefer to do is we want to keep our options open until the very last minute. We want a yes, we want a no, and we want a maybe. But Jesus is very clear, there is no maybe. There is no third road. There is only yes, and there is only no, and you must choose. That's the first question. Which road are you on? The second is, who are you listening to? Who are you following? Who are the voices, the, the leaders and te- teachers that, that point us along the way? Jesus says that we need to beware of false prophets, pseudo-prophets. That means they pretend to be prophets. They pretend, what's a prophet? A prophet is a messenger from God. Uh, in the Old Testament, these were the people that God entrusted with his message to warn Israel that they were going down the wrong road. It was the job of the prophets to stand in that road and say, don't go this way. The way to life is over there. That's, that was what prophets did. But there were also false prophets. You see them in the Old Testament and we see them in the New. People who said, no, this way is fine. This is the way that God wants you to go. Now, both false and true claim to speak for God, and that's the problem. They both claim to be his messengers. Though they may be pointing in very different directions, they both claim to be his messengers. Jesus even says, right, outwardly they look like sheep. Harmless, innocent, fluffy, right? But Jesus says inwardly they are greedy, hungry, Wolves looking to devour. So if that's true, how are we to know? If they are deceptive in their appearance, they, they don't look, right? They're not the obvious, uh, the obvious danger. And I think that's part, partly what messes with us, right? We, we don't assume there to be danger coming from this person. They're not easy to spot. They look like sheep on the outside, but inwardly they are uh, ravenous wolves. So how do we tell the difference? How do we know? And Jesus says in verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. You will recognize them by what their lives produce. He says, can you get grapes from thorn bushes? Can you get figs from thistles? Of course not. Those plants don't even produce fruit, at least not edible fruit, right? You can tell them by their fruits. Look at what their lives produce. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. It is impossible. That means that eventually the the health of the tree will show itself. Now, it can take a long time. And that's part of the difficulty that, right, fruit does not produce automatically. It takes 
time. But over time, Jesus says you can evaluate the fruits of these teachers and see whether they be false or true. What are some of the ways we can tell? What is the the fruit that we need to look for? John Stott, a pastor in England, was very helpful. Um, He borrows a lot of this from the letter at the end of the New Testament, 1 John. But the first fruit we look for is doctrinal, truth. Does his teaching faithfully represent God's word? That's certainly our prayer here. That you would be able to, that's, that's why we study through books of the Bible. That's why we want you to have your Bibles open uh, while we preach. It's so that you can look in the word and see that what we're saying is coming from here. From God's objective standard of truth, right? So is what he says correct? Is it true? That's one fruit. Another, right? So is he true? Another fruit is this. Is he good? This is a moral test. Does his character show the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, what Paul lays out in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, that doesn't mean he's perfect, right? But it does mean that if the Spirit is at work in his life, if he is a true prophet, then over time that fruit is what is growing out of his life, out of his communion with God. So is he true? Is he good? And is the fruit of his life beautiful? Does his teaching promote faith, love, and godliness in the church? So now we're talking about not just the fruit of his own life, but also what his ministry produces in the people who follow him, in the people who listen to him, in the people who hear his word. Is it evident In the church that he is speaking for God. J.C. Ryle, another British pastor, says this. Sound doctrine and holy living are the marks of true prophets. That's how Jesus says we will know if we are listening to someone who is speaking the truth versus someone who is lying. So... What path are you on, and who are you listening to? Now, one thing we have to be careful of, at least that I have to be careful of as I read this, it's very easy to read this and become self-righteous. Especially that earlier part about uh, the narrow road versus the broad road. The way that that initially comes to my heart, just being honest, right, But also the way that I've heard that used by many Christians before, right, is we read that and we go, oh, yeah, look at all those saps on the broad road. Man, feel sorry for them. And what's the the thing that we would never say but that we're feeling in our hearts is like, at least I found the right road. I'm really killing it, right? 
So we kind of, like we read this and we go, ooh, okay, I can feel good about my, my place, right? I'm feeling good about being on the narrow road and I'm, and I'm looking down with some moral self-righteousness on those on the broad road. That's not what Jesus wants you to do. Notice what Jesus' command, the very first word that Jesus says in verse 13, his command is not criticize those who aren't on the narrow road. His very first command is you enter by the narrow gate. It's directed at you, at me. We, are the, we, we need to evaluate what road we are on. Yes, there, we, we can discern and see what road other people are on. But the purpose is so that we know which path we're taking. And again, the other, the other part of self-righteousness that this can pull out of us is, is this whole idea of hard versus easy. Where if we, we go with that interpretation, we're like, well, again, I'm working really hard, so I must be on the narrow road. And all the slackers are over there on the broad road leading to destruction. But I'm killing it over here on the narrow road, so I must be getting into the kingdom. Friend, again, that turns this whole idea of grace right on its head. It totally undoes what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 3, that the poor in spirit are the ones who enter the kingdom. Right? The road is narrow because there's only one way to get on it. The gate is narrow because there's only one way to get through it. And his name is Jesus. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? The reason, right, uh, the reason the road is, is narrow is because it goes through him, not because it goes up Mount Everest. All right? So we can't read this and begin to feel really good about ourselves. That's not Jesus' goal. Jesus' goal is for you to examine yourself and say, where do I stand? Where, what road am I walking on? Who am I following? Now, let me close with this. These are warnings. Jesus is warning us. Right? Those who walk down the broad way will end up at destruction. Every tree that bears bad fruit will be burned. Right? Farmers don't keep unhealthy trees around because they will contaminate the other trees. So there's a warning there. And we don't want to minimize that. But I want you to see that with every warning is also an invitation. When the sign tells you that the bridge is out, as you're careening down the road, what is that sign inviting you to do? Stop and take a different path that will lead to life. So every warning is an invitation. When Jesus tells us that the road we're on is leading to destruction, he's inviting us to enter his path that leads to life. Have you done that this morning? Have you placed your trust in the narrow gate himself, Jesus? That's an invitation. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you warn us. Uh, Lord, that we, we need to know that if, 
The road we're on is a dangerous road. We should get off of it. And so, Lord, we thank you for warning. And, Lord, we pray that we would heed that warning, that we would listen to Jesus, and that we would enter the way that leads to life. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Let's stand.